Psalm 23, 5b, you anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. I'm not sure that there's much worse of a thought to me than thinking about someone pouring oil over my head. I mean, how, how long would it take to get that out? I mean, that's I, a lot of Dawn dish soap, maybe. I don't know. Uh, it, I don't care whether it's olive oil or motor oil, I don't want that being poured over my head, and yet that's exactly what this next uh, line in this psalm says that we've been studying. David, who wrote this psalm, says that the shepherd, his shepherd, the Lord, anoints his head with oil, and he's happy about it, right? In our culture today, we use oil all the time. Uh, perhaps the best, most awesome things uh, 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 where, where we use oil uh, can be found at the county fair, right? Uh, we, are, we are deep frying things that were never intended to be deep fried, and yet they are so good, right? Um, you, it, it seems like, uh, I, I don't know, I, I've never really been into the deep fried bananas or Twinkies or Oreos. Uh, I, some, some may be ready to, to get to shouting over that, but, uh, give me a funnel cake or, uh, uh, an elephant ear. I'm, I mean, that's, that's, I, I'd probably regret it later, but I, I, I'll dive right into that. Um, and of course, you know, there's fried everything and we enjoy fried everything. And now there's the air fryers where we don't have to use the oil, I get, but eh, it's just not the same, right? Uh, different kind of oils are used for a whole lot of different things. There's oil that we cook with. There's oil oil that we, we put in our food, we tend to go overboard, but we, we need a, a, a bit of oil, some oil and, and fats in our diet in order to stay healthy. We, then there's, uh, there's oil, when we think of oil, we might think of like petroleum products and, and those kinds of things, uh, things that are turned into fuel to, to heat our homes or to make our vehicles go where they need to go. Uh, most engines and machines that we have use, use oil to lubricate the moving parts so that they run smoothly. Um, I just used, uh, just this week, I uh, used a, a, a heavy dose, a heavy, heavy dose of WD-40 on my back sliding door because in the middle of the night, about 2.15 in the morning, letting the dog out, uh, it sounded like a moose was calling her young, uh, opening that door. And so, so uh, the, the, the oil of the WD-40 and the, the lubricant has, uh, has made, uh, made us not wake the neighbors when we let the dog out. Uh, products made with oil reduce friction. Uh, of course, uh, some of you probably have oils that you believe are essential, right? That's the, that's a big thing, right? We've got essential oils that we diffuse or we, we apply them or, or, uh, rub them in or uh, oil is everywhere. And in Bible times, oil was, uh, was, was common as well. They would uh, use it with their food, uh, and cook with it, and eat it, and, and things. They would also use it in lamps, and uh, and uh, that would be would light their lamps that would uh, would take them where they needed to go after dark. Uh, oil was used to anoint people uh, or establish certain calling on their lives. Right? Kings were anointed. Okay, you're anointed now. You're you're going to be be a, a king. Priests were anointed into the the the, the ministry of of uh, of leading the people spiritually. And, and oil was also used in scripture. We see. Uh, used for healing, uh, like medicine. It, it was an important part of salves and ointments. And that, out of all those things, that is the, the, was the primary use of oil for a shepherd. Uh, because, uh, and we've been looking at um, uh, uh, Philip Keller's book, uh, a shepherd looks at Psalm 23, and, uh, and 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 Keller in his book says that that uh, uh, that that the shepherd needed uh, this uh, this ointment. 
Um, we've, we've been walking through, and if you've missed uh, any of these, you can go online and, and watch the video or download the, uh, the audio or, or whatever and, and, and watch these, these sermons. But in series past, just to, uh, just to uh, remind you um, that Keller uh, really believes that Psalm 23 is actually walking through like a year in the life of a, uh, a shepherd and his sheep, right? And so uh, as we walk through the psalm, about halfway through, we saw that the, the, the uh, pronouns change. Instead of talking about the shepherd, we're talking to the shepherd, right? And, uh, and, uh, and, and so... Um, we, uh, we, we are, uh, we are, it was about that time in the, in the life of the, the, the shepherd and the sheep that he would lead them out of the, 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 the homestead through the valley up to the mountain. And last week we talked about preparing a table and the table land, the mesa where there's rich, uh, grasses and all those kinds of things. That's, that's in the middle of summer and they'd go there and, and spend their time in the summer. And summertime was a, a great time for the sheep. But he also says that summertime up on those mountain mesas were not just, uh, not just all fun and games because summertime was also fly time, he said. And, and I want to read just a, a little bit from that book today. It says, there are warble flies, bot flies, heel flies, uh, nose or nasal flies, deer flies, black flies, mosquitoes, gnats, and other minute winged parasites that proliferate at this time of year. Their attacks on animals can readily turn the golden summer months into a time of torture for sheep. Sheep are especially troubled by the nasal fly. Uh, These little flies buzz about the sheep's head, attempting to deposit their eggs on the damp mucous membranes of the sheep's nose. If they are successful, the eggs will hatch in a few days to form small, slender, worm-like larvae. They work their way up the nasal passages into the sheep's head. They burrow into the flesh, and there they set up an intense irritation accompanied by severe inflammation. For relief from this agonizing annoyance, sheep will deliberately beat their heads against trees, rocks, posts, or brush. They will rub them in the soil and thrash around against woody growth. In extreme cases of intense intense infestation, a sheep may even kill itself in a frenzied endeavor to gain respite from the aggravation. Often, advanced stages of infection from these flies will lead to blindness. You never know what you learn in church, right? You didn't. You didn't come here today thinking you were going to uh, uh, hear all about uh, larva hatching in uh, in a sheep's mucous membranes, right? Are we allowed to talk about mucus in church? I guess we just did. So, and it's recorded for all to see around the world. So, uh, so there's no hiding. But uh, sorry if that's a little gross for a Sunday morning. Uh, but you need to know what's going on here in David's mind um, as he's writing this psalm, because shepherds and David uh, grew up as a shepherd boy before he he became king, and so. Uh, so he knew all about this, and shepherds knew about nasal flies. They needed to know, uh, the, and the, because they also knew then how to help because of the, the problems that these flies uh, uh, caused. When, when, uh, when a shepherd saw that it was fly time in the flock, uh, he would alleviate those irritations that, that caused so much havoc by anointing the sheep's head with oil. Or uh, more specifically, the shepherd would, would use a homemade mixture of linseed oil, sulfur, and tar, and they'd smear it over the sheep's nose uh, and over their head to protect against those, uh, those flies. And, uh, and Keller says that the change in a sheep's behavior was, was, uh, virtually immediate. Um, they'd receive that, that, uh, oily covering as a remedy, 
And then they were no longer aggravated or irritated or restless. And instead, uh, they would, as the uh, psalmist pointed out uh, earlier, uh, they would lie, be able to lie down in green pastures and drink at quiet waters and be restored. But without that remedy, those flies would drive them crazy and they wouldn't be able to enjoy any of that. Summertime was fly time. Summertime, though, uh, was not just fly time. It was also scab time. Oh, good. Now we're talking about scabs in church. No, we're not talking about scab. Scab is actually uh, a disease, an irritating and contagious disease caused by a microscopic parasite that spreads in warm weather. And so summer, again, this would, this would spread. Uh, it's found primarily in the head of the sheep and it's easily transferred as sheep would, would rub their heads together just per what they do and, and making friends and all those things. But if one was infected, it would very quickly spread, uh, to, uh, to many others. Um, Interestingly, in the, in the Old Testament, they, they needed sheep to perform sacrifices, and a sheep that was going to be used as a sacrifice was, uh, was a sheep that was, uh, was, was, um, uh, pure, uh, was, uh, was without defect, right? Without blemish, I believe, uh, scripture says. And, and, and so, uh, many would, uh, I've always thought that that means that they didn't have any defects, and, and so, uh, but, but, actually inherent in that without blemish uh the jewish folks knew that that also meant that they needed to be free from this infection free of scab that they would not have that infection so so this this idea of of this this scab this specific infection was actually understood as a metaphor for the contamination uh and and again if we're using it uh in the spiritual sense the contamination of 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 sin and evil and uh, and so one main cure for scab again was the shepherd's special ointment that he used for flies. When he'd apply that for flies, it would also help uh, keep away this parasite that caused scab. He also said, though, if if uh, if the the scab had already gotten there and was beginning to spread, shepherds would have to uh, uh, to to dip their uh, their their sheep in special chemicals. So they uh, it was an expensive and and uh, laborious process of of getting this big tank that they could get the sheep into and out of, and the chemicals were there, and they'd literally get them all the way in and uh, have to submerge them completely and pay special attention to submerging the head several times in order to make sure that the chemicals got in there and uh, and. Killed this uh, this this infection that they were suffering from. So the days of summer uh, were made bearable because of the shepherd's close attention uh, and because of his oily ointment, keeping the irritation of flies and the infection of scab away. And toward the end of summer, then uh, came the rut. Oh great, now he's talking about uh, about mating season. Here we go, right? Uh, we're, we're hitting it all this morning, right? Well, well, in the rut, there was competition. And those uh, those guys, those uh, male sheep were competing for the affections of the female sheep. And uh, there was a lot of headbutting going on. We'll just leave it at that. And so they would uh, they would fight. And a lot of times, they'd, they'd, you know, you'd just go uh, head on head. And those cranial collisions could be, uh, could really cause a lot of injury. And, uh, and, and uh, just was not good for the entire flock. And so uh, Keller says that, that uh, the shepherd's oil then helps one more time. Smearing oil on a sheep's head made their head slippery. And Keller said he'd use that, I mean, that, that oil, but actually he, he would uh, at times smear their heads with axle grease to make them extra oily and extra slippery. And when they collided, they just kind of bounced off of each other. They're all lubed up and, and they just kind of glance off of each other and they'd, they'd look a little stunned, but uh, they were really no worse for wear and uh, it helped 
help them not cause, uh, 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 helped it not cause uh, uh, problems with uh, an, an injury in the flock, and uh, it, it alleviated the tension between the sheep, and, um, and so the oil brought harmony to the flock. And of course, all of this oil and its uses has connotations to our spiritual lives. Literally, this one line uh, has led me to talk about flies and scab in the mating season. So uh, how in the world is that going to come and relate to us in our spiritual lives um, as we follow the Lord, our shepherd? Well, most scholars uh, agree that when David is writing here, as he gets toward the end of this psalm, and at the end of verse 5, and he says, he anoints my head with oil, uh, most likely David is referring to the anointing of the Holy Spirit in our lives. The, the concept of the, the person of the Holy Spirit is sometimes difficult to grasp, and, and so Scripture uses many uh, pictures, many metaphors to, uh, to help us. Uh, we, we think of this, maybe the most common is, is uh, the image of a dove, and uh, that's how we see uh, the Holy Spirit several times in Scripture uh, as, uh, as a dove, and, and we think about the peace that he brings. Uh, many times there's, there's fire and the tongues of fire that came down at Pentecost, and, and many times uh, Scripture describes the... the Holy Spirit as breath or wind, and then there's also oil. And whenever there's anointing going on in Scripture, pouring oil over someone, it's referencing the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit to call them to specific service to enable them to do that. So uh, I, I already said with kings or with priests, they, they were anointed as a king, set apart to do this specific task, and, uh, and it was uh, the enabling of the Holy Spirit to give them the power to be able to do it. Now David, this shepherd boy turned king, uh, had literal experience with this. Uh, maybe you're familiar with the story, maybe you're not, but back when, when David was a, was a kid, the youngest of all these brothers, and, and uh, he was uh, out tending the sheep while, uh, while the rest of the family was gathering with Samuel, the, uh, the, the, the priest, and Samuel had gone there uh, equipped with his anointing oil specifically to find the next king. And so uh, Samuel uh, saw all these, uh, these, these big, strong, strapping young men, and surely this is the next king, surely. The, and God kept saying, no, not that one, no, not that one, no, not that one. And then uh, he finally realized that David was out, uh, out tending the sheep, and, and Samuel said, well, you got to bring him because uh, we, we're not moving on until he gets here. 1 Samuel chapter 16, verses 12 and 13 describe it this way. So Samuel sent for David and had him brought in. He was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. From the, from the very beginning of David's experience serving God, his head had been anointed with oil and the spirit of the Lord had come on him powerfully. I believe with all my heart that that experience is going through David's mind as he's writing the words, he anoints my head with oil, my cup overflows. He's hearkening back to his, his first experience as, as he, as he uh, experienced God's anointing uh, back there in, uh, in, with his brothers and his family gathered around as, as he was prepared for ministry and service. He anoints my head with oil, my cup overflows. 
flows. God had set David apart. He had called him. He had empowered him. And David had experienced the infilling of the Holy Spirit in his life. David knew that much like sheep who need the oil and the ointment uh, to, to bring peace and healing to their lives, he was not going to be able to thrive without the Spirit's anointing in his life. Our lives are, are full of distractions and irritations, temptations and sin, conflict and discord. We are in desperate need of the Lord, our shepherd, to anoint our heads with oil. Or I guess we could say it this way, to, to fill us with his spirit so that we can overcome those things in our lives, those irritations and temptations and conflict, and so that our lives will, will overflow with his presence and, and his character and his power, not our own. As, uh, to, to get a little bit further into this, this concept of, of uh, allowing the spirit to, uh, to so fill us that he directs our lives, um, I, I love how, how the Apostle Paul describes the Holy Spirit in Romans chapter 8. So I, I, I want us to, to uh, look at a few verses from that and, and see how the Holy Spirit works. Specifically, Paul is talking about how he works in our minds. Uh, again, we're... we're David talks about anointing our heads with oil and, and, and primarily Paul is talking about how the Holy Spirit invades our minds and help us, helps us to thrive in life. So Romans chapter eight, beginning in verse five, says this. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, The Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his Spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation. But it is not to the flesh to live according to it, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. You and I need our minds to be governed by the Spirit. I I believe that that's what David is referring to in in Psalm 23, 5. Our heads need to be immersed in. We need to be filled up with. We need to be covered over with the oil of the Spirit of God. Uh, Romans 8 uses the term flesh, uh, referring to uh, living in our own strength, uh, uh, living to please ourselves, uh, uh, wisdom of this world, human wisdom. But if if we're uh, just following human wisdom, uh, Paul says we won't please God. And yet that wisdom is so pervasive. Maybe I should put that in quote. The wisdom of this world is, is so pervasive. It's, it's like those flies pestering the sheep. We hear this point of view and we hear that perspective and, and we consider what this news channel says or that YouTube clip says or, or this TikTok video is, is uh, telling me to do this or this TV show might, might have this uh, certain perspective and, and uh, they, all these perspectives. And then we uh, layer on that all the conversations that we have with coworkers and, and, uh, and, and other people in our, in our families, people in our neighbor, all, all those things. And, and there's so many uh, things that can distract us or, or uh, maybe we could even 
would say they're irritations, uh, that, that and it's enough to drive us crazy. What, what do we believe? Where do we go? What, where do we turn? And, and pretty soon we're, <laughs> we feel like we're beating our head against the wall, just like those sheep, right? Now, many of those perspectives aren't just distractions. They're downright sinful, right? Uh, not only are they coming from a merely human perspective, but they're ignoring the truths of God. And, and as we take those in, then, then those perspectives, those truths, that wisdom can infect us with uh, with sin. It's, it's not a physical infect, infection like the scab in sheep, but it infects our thinking and our beliefs get skewed and just a little bit here or there. And we talked about how the, the, the devil is, uh, uh, in, in weeks past, the devil is, is our, our enemy and, and just kind of twists things a little and just lies to us uh, just enough to, to change things from truth to, to not truth and, and, uh, and it starts to infect us. And, and if we don't submit to God and his ways, uh, then, then, we're, then we're not following the shepherd down those paths of righteousness, right? And that, that, that infection then can be contagious. And if we spend our, our time with, with uh, folks with, with those perspectives, we tend to allow that in and, and our bad attitudes and our sinful actions affect those around us and can spread to others. And, and so not only is it just distractions and irritations, but it also can be sinful. Living out of the flesh, as, uh, as the Apostle Paul says, if we're ignoring the Spirit, it can also bring conflict, kind of like the conflict in the herd. It's, it, it's kind of funny, when you're, when you're living to please yourself, it usually conflicts with other people who are living to please themselves, right? And, and you're not on the same boat, you're not trying to accomplish the same things, and so there's a lot of headbutting going on, and, uh, and it creates casualties, and it never ends well. But the Holy Spirit, the, the oil of our Lord, the shepherd, is the cure for all of that. When our minds are controlled by the Spirit, we have life and peace. I, I still have the image of those sheep kind of going crazy and bonking their heads against a tree or, or uh, 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 just kind of running crazy as, as everything is bombarding them and, and the sickness that they have and, and they're competing with each other. And, and yet the Holy Spirit, if our minds are controlled by the Spirit, there's none of that. All of a sudden, it's just, it's completely different. There's life and peace. We're headed down paths of righteousness. We're pleasing God. We're, we're experiencing abundance and, and joy. Uh, when we live to, live to uh, uh, be filled with and, and we're focused on the spirit, that's when we truly live. Uh, in other words, as David says, our cup will overflow. We're filled beyond what we need, <laughs> more than enough. This, this has a lot to do with our shepherd uh, and, and, and what he does, he's the one with the oil, he's the one looking out for us and, and all those things. But we, we also have some things that we need to do if we're going to receive this peace and joy and power that comes from the anointing of the Spirit. A couple weeks ago, we had the, uh, the rod and the staff up here, if you remember, probably should have brought them back. But uh, uh, one of the things that, uh, uh, that, that uh, the shepherd does with his rod, if you remember, is that he inspects the sheep. So as they're coming out periodically, they're coming out of the, the, the stable or whatever, one at a time, he'll stop them with his rod and he'll look over them and he'll use the rod to, to kind of uh, fold back the, uh, the, the wool and to be able to look and see what's going on and, and uh, he'll inspect them. He's checking for injuries, but, but he's also checking for flies and, and for the evidence of scab. And, and as he's inspecting them, he's, uh, he then will take his oil and he'll soothe them with that ointment that he's already lovingly prepared. But in order for all that to happen, the, the sheep has to submit to the, to the inspection of the shepherd, right? 
Because if a sheep is uh, fighting him at every turn, he's not going to be able to get the, uh, the, the, the help that, that he needs. Many of you uh, may know that, uh, that at the Ryder House, we have a diabetic cat. Pray for us, please. Duncan is, uh, is 12 years old, I think, and he's fat. And this summer, he was diagnosed with diabetes. That means... Wait for it. He gets a shot twice a day. Oh, yeah, good. Thank you. I, you, you are feeling my pain. That's good. Uh, now, you can imagine what we, it sounds like you already are imagining what we thought when, uh, when they told us that. We have to corner a cat. We have to catch a cat and uh, keep him calm enough that we can stick him with a needle and, uh, and get this, uh, this, this uh, insulin into him where it needs to be. And we got to do that twice a day for the rest of his life. Well, he's 12. He's probably going to be one of those cats that lives to 25, I'm sure, I'm sure because we're taking such good care of him and giving him these shots, right? But uh, anyway, uh, cats are well known to not be the easiest animals to contain, right? So we're trying to figure out how to do this thing with this shot with the cat, right? And, uh, and don't know how this is going to go because, I mean, he's a loving cat and he's, he's not, that's, it's not typical in that he runs away. He comes and, and uh, wants some attention and all those kinds of things. So we could probably trick him for a little bit, but he's going to figure it out pretty soon. And sure, enough you know it's time for the first shot and we got everything ready and the insulin the right amount of insulin in the syringe and all the things and and all the stuff yeah just on a side note someone needs to and maybe they already have you know they have the pump for people that that uh, that have diabetes maybe we need one for the we can just strap that on the cat and then we don't need to but that's another conversation i guess um so it's, it's my job to keep the cat steady while Rebecca is the nurse and uh, injecting him with the much-needed insulin. And um, I don't know, for, for being old and sick and fat, this guy's strong, okay? He's, uh, uh, I mean, first of all, he's like, uh, he, he lost weight, and so he's only like 20 pounds now. So he's, you know, he's not a, not a little guy. And, um, and, and, uh, and so he didn't want to be poked with a needle, and, and it was all I could do to, to wrestle him and to, to hold on and to hope that he didn't, and he did. Uh, there was a lot of biting and, and clawing and scratching going on, and, uh, and he clawed and scratched me too. So it was, it was a whole lot of, uh, of fighting and, and getting him, and uh, he was not submitting to the, uh, to the, the, the the much needed treatment that that we needed to give him he wasn't sure that he could trust us it was unfamiliar it was uncomfortable uh but it's you don't have to feel bad for us because after about three or four times he started figuring this thing out he started figuring out that uh i mean he doesn't understand that insulin makes his life better um uh, but he literally now, he couldn't care less if we're sticking him with this needle because, because insulin time is also treat time. And so, um, you know, I, I don't promote this with kids, but bribery works with cats, okay? And so, uh, as, as someone told me once a long time ago, it's, it's not Dobson, but it works. And so, uh, uh, I don't, Anybody know Dobson anymore? Probably, anyway, that's another sermon. But uh, anyway, so, so the cat literally, I don't know that you would call it submits to the shot now, but uh, com- it could care less. It's like you're not even touching him. Uh, as long as he's going after that treat that we're giving him and you get the shot in quick, uh, it's no big deal because now he's submitted to the treatment that he needs. For some strange reason, that came to my mind as I thought about the sheep submitting to the, uh, the treatment that the shepherd needs to give. 
and the submission that we have to have when God needs to treat uh, and, uh, and lead our lives. The shepherd cannot fill your life with his spirit if you're not surrendered to his leadership. Remember, you're not in charge of your life. You're just following. Uh, we started this whole series with uh, the first five words, I think, right? The Lord uh, is my shepherd. Um, if he is, then you're following his leadership. He's in charge. You're not. You're going to go where he wants you to go. You're going to submit to his work in your life. Uh, it, it's not that it, you, you don't know best. Uh, he does. You, you have to give him complete access to your life, not fighting and squirming and scratching and kicking and biting. We have to allow him full access to do what he needs to do. And it's only when we come to that point in our life that he can truly fill us with his spirit, that he can truly anoint our heads with oil so much so that our cup overflows. And then as as we submit to his inspection and, and he points out the things that need to change, as he directs our steps, then we have to obey what he says, right? We have to go where he wants us to go and do what he wants us to do. As Romans 8 says, we have to, quote, live according to the spirit. It's not enough to just know about the Spirit or to know about uh, what, what the shepherd wants for us, but we have to do that. There, there are going to be temptations. Remember, we're still living in the presence of our enemies. We talked about that last week with this table prepared for us, and yet our enemies, are we're still living in this life, this fallen, sinful world. There will be temptations. It, it takes effort. There's discipline to resist those things. But I believe, my experience has been, that, uh, that the more that you resist, the more that you say no to sin and distractions and temptations, and the more you say yes to the shepherd, the easier it gets and the richer and fuller and deeper life becomes. Of course, that involves changing our habits and behaviors. We have to, as Paul says, set your mind on the things of the Spirit. Uh, we need to fill our minds with, with the things of God, uh, things like Scripture. We need to be spending time in Scripture, not only in a setting like this, but, but on our own. We need to be spending time daily, multiple times a day, in prayer, seeking out. Fill our minds with the things of God. The things, set your mind on the things of the Spirit. We need to spend time in community with, with fellow believers, in, in, in worship, in study, and uh, then the converse is also true. We need to, if we're doing that, we're not spending our time in things that are going to pollute our minds. But we're, the, the things of the flesh, we're going to set our mind on the things of the spirit. All of that starts by submitting to the work of the shepherd so he can fill us with his spirit. David said that, that his cup overflowed. In other words, the, the oil of the Spirit so filled him that it was, it was more than enough and it just kept coming. And, and so as we think about this psalm and, and, and everywhere that it's taken us from the, uh, from the homestead down in the, in, the, in the valley and in the, in the pasture land and through the valleys, the dark valleys and the shadows and the dangers that lurk, and we're following the shepherd and we make it to the table land and, and he's prepared that table before us painstakingly getting, uh, getting it ready so that we can experience life with him. And yet there's still these distractions and, and irritations and, and infections and conflict. And, and yet through all of that, as, as, as we walk through this life with the shepherd, part of the inspection as we come in to a Sunday morning like this is to allow God, or maybe to, to ask ourselves, is my cup 
overflowing today? Or, or do you need to be filled? It, it could be that you've been trying to live your life for God without relying on the Spirit, right? Maybe you, you get pulled down by the distractions and the irritations of life, or you give in to the infection of sin, or your life is characterized by conflict and struggle. The, the, the Holy Spirit is the, the, the oil, the answer to all of that. He brings peace and healing and empowers us to live for God. Receiving the Holy Spirit is just as simple as submitting to the shepherd. Scripture says that all we have to do is ask. We just ask him and, and won't he just pour out his spirit? Uh, he, he, we, we just have to ask. Ask him to come. Ask him to fill you. Ask him to live in you. Ask him to govern over your mind, to govern over your life. Ask him to anoint you so that your cup overflows. 